Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Parks. My name is Becky Dunlap. And this is Marissa Moravik, and we're your hosts for this weekly podcast. An evolving resource to help parks and recreation professionals raise the bar in their organizations so that they can make a positive difference in their communities. Hello there. Good morning. It's Becky here. And this episode is actually with Marissa Moravic and Jason Ellisalde. And I loved listening to this episode because it challenges the way that we've thought about something that gets said every single day in our field, which is the word best practices. I'm still deciding how I feel about it Um, because there's a lot of things that, you know, reasons why it could still be helpful. Um, But I just love it when someone challenges that. And when we really can think about, you know, why we use the words that we do, and what impact that could have on current employees that work with us, and then like the next generation of employees that want to be on our team. And I think that the word best practices can imply a lot of things like you'll hear in this episode around how best might imply that we cannot do better. And we don't want our employees to think that. We don't want our staff to think that. And at the same time, we've used this phrase as a way to kind of standardize what has always been done and what generally works. So uh, I'm really curious on what you guys think about this. Um, We dropped a couple of questions on our Instagram today and our Instagram stories just because I'm curious, like, do you feel like best practices really resonates with you anymore? Um, Do you feel like it's a helpful term in our field? And how can we start thinking about these things that we do a little bit differently so we can be more innovative? And so that's really how this fits into this innovative um, and inclusive parks and playgrounds is because when you think about our teams and our leaders, the way that we make our team feel is either included or we ostracize them. And we can do that with our words. We can do that with our actions. Um, But we have to be willing to take a hard look at where we are and how we act and what impact we have on the people around us. And I think that when we do that, we'll truly take a step forward in the right direction to be more innovative, to be more inclusive, to be more aligned with this next generation of employees that want to come up in this field. You know, I recently read from a report from NRPA talking about how like the number one challenge right now in parks and recreation is around employee recruitment and retention. And if we want to really get ahead of the game, we have to be able to think about what they want and they, and Gen Z and millennials, they want to make an impact. They want to feel like they're heard. They want to, you know, have work-life balance. They want to find an agency that values diversity and inclusion. And all of these things are so integral to their, their work experience. And so it starts with some, some, uh, change management. (laughs) It starts with leaders recognizing that they really are at the core of change and at the core of you know, how these employees think about themselves in the workplace. 
All right. Well, that's enough of my rant. Um, before we get into the episode, I just want to thank our sponsor for today, which is Landscape Structures. As a leading commercial playground designer and manufacturer, Landscape Structures is committed to providing a higher level of inclusive play, creating community spaces where children of all abilities and their families can play together. Tune in later to this episode as we talk more about what Landscape Structures has to offer. And now let's get into the show. All right. Hey, Let's Talk Parks. Um, we have Jason Alsaldi joining us again today. Thank you so much for coming back and not being too scared to, you know, sit down and talk with me. So um, recently you've had some big career changes. So do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners about that before we dive into best practices? Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you for having me again. Always a pleasure. Um, so I have uh, recently started a position with uh, Pros Consulting out of Indianapolis, Indiana. So um, I'm no longer um, kind of on the, the the public facing side of working for a municipality or agency. Um, now on the consulting side where we're going and trying to help um, those, those organizations throughout the country find ways to do things better. Um, doing a lot of work with uh, strategic master plans and culture initiatives and all these things that I just absolutely love with all of my heart. Um, it's been an incredible experience so far, and it's uh, really kind of feels like the best use of my uh, of of my talents at this point, and an opportunity to impact this industry at a at more of a, a national level. Level, I feel incredibly blessed to be able to to do what I do right now. Yeah, I am so glad that you finally found your space. I know that for a while there, you were kind of exploring and trying to figure out what to do next. And you were really intentional about making the right decision that you, you know, had many options and you wanted to make sure that you made the right one. And it really does seem like consulting is the right choice for you. So I'm really glad you found your space, you found the right place to be, and you're able to impact the field in the best way possible. Thank you. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely a, a, a rough year. Um, but this is one of those situations where it, it was just kind of like, this was exactly how it was supposed to work out. I ended up where I was supposed to be wife and I love Indianapolis. We, uh, we love Indiana. We're big for, we're so proud to be Hoosiers. So, uh, it's been, it's been great. Um, it, it really, really worked out and yeah, the, the lesson is always is understand where you're trying to go and don't settle. So the, it, it worked out. That's awesome. So Kind of going along with your consulting gig, you've been a huge mentor to me over the past, I don't know, year that we've been talking. So recently you and I had a conversation, you always try to keep me on track and we were talking about best practices and we decided that this was a topic that we wanted to record about, but coincidentally, I think it was like last week on Instagram, I saw a post by Adam Grant and it said many best practices were created for a world that no longer exists. In the face of change, the routines that once moved you forward often become the ruts that hold you back. No practice is ever perfect. The day you stop being open to improving is the day that you start stagnating. So I was like, holy cow, it's like serendipity that that showed up on my Instagram and you and I are going to talk about it. So... Uh I feel like it's per like a perfect leeway into our conversation. Yeah, uh, Adam Adam Grant definitely uh, is 
is on my team when it comes to this, <laughs> this thought process. So, um, one of my, my soapboxes for years has been this, um, for lack of a better term, hatred of, of best practices. Um, and really it kind of stems from the, the word best. Uh, I, I, I can't express enough how much I dislike the phrase, um, basically because best implies that we can't do better. Um, best is a, is a very, it's a very basic word. Uh, it, it, it is, it implies that this is as good as we can do. And, you know, we probably shouldn't even try to find a better way to do it. It's the best. This is a best practice. So I think when you're going in with that mindset, you have a tendency to stop trying to find ways to improve and you can become stagnant. Um, I've always preferred better. Um, because better is never ending. Best is a is a destination. It's an ending point. Better is forever. Um, but better is a journey. So, in anytime someone wants to talk about, um, you know, this, it's the best practice. That's why we do this thing. Um, I, I'm always going to be pretty quick to challenge back on that. Um, that hey, you you're telling me that this is there's absolutely no way that this thing can be done uh, better and um, if who is it that's looking into finding trying to trying to find ways to do these things better if they've just assumed that this is the best way to do it and since you and i had that conversation a couple weeks ago now every time someone in my agency says well that's best practice i like cringe so i'm hoping that after this our listeners will cringe every time they hear someone in their organization say best practice and that they stop saying best practice because then i really thought about what they were, you know, when I was having these conversations with my coworkers and leadership team, and they were saying best practice. And I thought about it in the context of what they were talking about. And I was like, no, I think that that's just kind of become a buzzword that people use. I don't even know that people really know what they're saying when they say best practice. Um, because some of these things, you know, and like you were saying earlier, it's a process. So Typically, when I'm having these conversations with coworkers or superiors, whatever, it's about a process that we're going through. So best practice is to do A, B, C, and D in this order and like this. And in some ways it works. Like I am a very routine person. I literally, my entire, the first two hours of my morning follow the same routine. Um, and it just keeps me on the right track. And I do know that I do some of my best work when I'm in my routine, but I've also learned during our last conversation that it can get me in a rut. Um, it keeps me from improving the processes that I'm doing. You know, is there a better way to be going about it? And you actually challenged me. I have a new employee under me. Um, and I let him take over some programs and some, you know, processes and things like that. And I did go out of my comfort zone and I let him do it. And actually to my surprise, um, he did come up with, he's like, why are we doing this this way? Um, you know, why are we having punch cards, online registration, and that they can pay cash in person? That's crazy. Why are we doing that? Why don't we just have them all go to punch cards? And I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't we? So sometimes it takes someone else to kind of open your eyes like, no, this is what's working best right now. No, it's not. Yeah, um, it, it's... It, it kind of stems back. We talked previously about the idea of commitment versus compliance, right? And um, 
best practices are a very compliance-based tool. This is the way that we do things. This is the way we've always done this or how whatever cliche um, you, you want to throw at it, where um, being more commitment-based, you're going to be more open to, like you with your new employee, those those open conversations and trying to find ways to do things better. There's a one of my favorite lines, the, the best line in leadership, the best phrase in leadership is, what do you think we should do? And um, when you are able to get away from kind of a best practice mentality where right now someone comes to you, why do we do this? Well, it's the best practice. Um, and someone comes to you and they start that conversation, get to that point where it's like, well, what do you think we should do? And see what they come up with and brainstorm it and talk through it. There might be a solution there that's better than what we're currently doing. We don't know unless we give employees the space to help problem solve these things. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones in the in the trenches day to day having to work through these things. Um, are we giving them the opportunity to solve problems that they're actually the ones having to deal with? Or are we falling in this crutch of, well, that's not the best practice. That's not the way we do things. We've always done it this way, whatever that, that phrase um, that we want to, that we want to fall back on is. Sadly, that just blew my mind <laughs> that someone, a leader might actually say, well, what do you think we should do? Because not very often do leaders come to us and say, you know, say you go to them and, you know, come up with a problem. Um, you know, why are we planting trees this way? Or why are we installing benches? Or why are we doing our financial reporting this way? And like you said, most of the time it's because we've always done it that way. That's the best way to do it. That's the way, the best way to plant a tree. Um, but is it the most efficient way? So instead of saying that back to your employees saying, well, how do you think we should be doing it? And at least hearing that person out, I mean, they might have some really out in left field answer that then yes, the leader or supervisor, whoever can come back and say, eh, I don't know, we've, you know, I don't think that that would work X, Y, and Z is why, but at least giving your staff the opportunity to present to you a possible solution or different way of doing it a more efficient way. So I don't know that those were... I do know one supervisor that I have right now that yes, he has probably uttered those words. Um, so I will give him lots of credit that typically when we come to him and there's a problem, he says, well, how, how do you think we should solve this? Um, and I don't think it's to be condescending. I think he does it because he wants to know, okay, what do these young millennials have up their sleeves? What are they going to come up with? So I do, um, I like that you tied that into that commitment-based versus compliance-based. So, um, and then we've talked about, and you kind of brought up process-based leadership. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's all it's all part of the same thing. So your your process-based leaders are going to be the ones that are going to lean on best practices. They're going to lean on. Um, they're going to lean on the effort. Um, and it's, you know, never confuse effort with results. Um, if I, if I run on a treadmill, I haven't actually gone anywhere. Um, whereas if I go out and run a mile, I've gone from point A to point B, there's been a, there's a result there. So, um, when you have your process-based leadership, you are going to be focused, you're focused on the process. You're, you're focused on, you know, the busy work aspect of it. Uh, what I challenge people um, 
to do is be more focused on being a, res a results-based leader. Um, if, what was, what did we actually end up getting out of this? What was the impact of, of the work that we did? And it's, it's really just kind of a shift. Um, you know, we, uh, I always use the example of when you're in school and you're doing your, your math homework and the, the showing your work. I was never a good show your work kid. Um, I, 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 but you know, my answer would be right. And I wouldn't understand why, um, why I was being docked. So I guess it probably started at an earlier age than, than I realized, but, um, yeah, what is it that, that we're deeming as important? Are we deeming that that busy work the 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 check marks of going through this process that someone created who knows how long ago is this what we're valuing is this what we're celebrating is this what we're rewarding or are we are we celebrating the result the impact are we making it about um what it is that actually came out of this work and less about maybe maybe a little bit less about how it is we necessarily how it is we necessarily got there. Um, but I, I, you know, I think best practices um, or com uh, compliance-based leadership or purpose or uh, process-driven leadership is all about the leader focused on being right. It is about what I know when you do what I say, when you're being more purpose-driven or um, impact-driven, or being a commitment-based leader, it's going to be more about doing the right thing. It's not about what I know. Um, it's about what we can accomplish as a group. So, um, yeah. And, and again, that that's that's my <laughs> my personal belief on these things. I'm always going to be more focused. I always want to be more focused on the result than on the process. And I think in some ways. Sometimes you have to go through a process, like legally you have to go through a process, like, you know, our incident accident forms, things like that. But I think you're talking more about, um, like I see it all the time on the women in parks and recreation, Facebook page about people who, you know, they go to their supervisor, leader, mayor, whoever it might be with an idea and they shoot it down. Um, so instead of allowing that employee to kind of let's see what happens. And I've actually been really fortunate to work for a park district. When I was at Vernon Hills, they let me do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted within reason. Um, but I wanted to create an innovation committee and our executive director was like, yeah, go with it. And then I realized I needed some money for this committee. Um, and he, gave me $1,500 to spend. And, um, we ended up purchasing park district bikes to be able to ride to and from each facility. And, you know, we started up a farmer's market and it's just amazing. All of the things that can come out of when you allow your employees to do what makes them happy and be creative and not, well, you know, we haven't had an innovation committee before and we really have to watch, you know, money. So I can't really give you any money to start this innovation committee. You're going to have to be creative. Um, you know, he gave me that room to do so. And therefore, again, employees were happier. We were all much more happier to work there. Um, I'm sure it drove like the finance department nuts because I feel like they're very <laughs> compliance-based people. Um, and maybe that's why sometimes those departments don't get along very well with the recreation department, um, because we have two totally different ways of doing things and, you know, philosophies and beliefs. 
Hey, you guys, it's Becky. I'm hopping in here just for a quick announcement and a thank you to our sponsor today. Um, And really, I'm going to start this off with a question. When you think about inclusive play, what comes to mind? Because the way that we used to think about accessibility has shifted so much from even a few years ago. And I was super inspired when I jumped into playlsi.com and looked at their collection of inclusive playgrounds that they have designed and built in communities just like yours across the globe. It's truly amazing to see how these playgrounds have adapted to facilitate kids of all abilities to play. When we talk about building community, this is what it means. So if you want to learn more, head over to playlsi.com slash learning academy to request more information about their inclusive play continuing education sessions. I've also dropped a link in the show notes below. Thanks so much. And now back to the show. I, um, you, you bring up a good point um, with the compliance. It's not to say that there's no no room for, for compliance anywhere. Obviously, anything legal um, has to be, there's a compliance-based uh, aspect that has to come involved, that has to be involved with that. But um at the same time, when it comes down to the point where we are explaining um, why we do what we do or what what our reasonings are, are we ex- are we taking the time to actually explain explain the why behind the reasoning, or are we just saying because I said so? Um, that's the way we do it. It's a best practice. Um, so you can be kind of more. Um, purpose or impact driven and still dealing with compliance based issues um, as opposed to just kind of being like, well, this is the way we've always done it and, you know, do what you're told and don't ask questions or whatever those, those things happen to be. And kind of like Adam Grant said in his Instagram post about how we are not living in the same world that we lived in two years ago. So the concept of best practices is just out the window. We are now finding the new best practice and trying to figure out what the best way is to go about things. Um, you know, prior to COVID, there's no way they would have ever let any of us work from home. And now it's no, like if you need a day to just work from home, um, I've actually learned that I get a lot more work done when I work from home than I do when I'm in the office because I'm being interrupted and, you know, I've got staff and seniors and things like that and phone calls. So, um, I really like that he kind of, you know, mentioned that, that, you know, everyone says best practice and yeah, some things still apply. Like we said, finance, safety, legal things, you know, stuff like that. But there's so much in the field of parks and recreation that is not, um, best practice. It's it, what the community needs it, right now. Yeah. It's, it, I'm always surprised when, when people lead, um, lead with process and in the work that we do. Um, the actual parks and recreation, especially like in programming, the programming side of things, um, because it is such a, uh, we're, we're dealing with emotions. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in an industry where we're creating memories and, and experiences. And, um, when you're trying to do that, checking boxes, um, it, there's no emotional connection. There's, there's no task in the world <laughs> that is so great that someone's going to be um, emotionally connected to it. You might be emotionally connected to the purpose of the task or what comes of the task, but it's not the actual busy work itself. So we've, we've really got this opportunity in this, in this industry. And that, I think that's what draws people to parks and recreation is, is you get these people that 
that want to come in. They want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. I know that's how I ended up here. Um, we're definitely not here because it's making us independently wealthy. So um, it's it's not for the money. Uh, so we're we're here because we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves, and we want to make a difference. We we have this belief in our ability to change things, and organizations and agencies they just really really miss the boat when they don't take that into consideration when when they are kind of planning out um their their workplace cultures and and what it is that they want their workforce to look like and you get a lot of frustration from both sides because um the 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 gen z's or whatever that our newest generation they're coming in and they want to care about what they do um the this whole of the the whole concept of just be happy that you have a job i mean that no longer exists. I mean, we're, we're we are in the midst of a of a of a an employment revolution right now, and um, if we are not able to speak the language of the workforce, um, we're we're missing out. And we have an opportunity in what we do to to speak to these people. We we do work. We make an impact in a way that is going to emotionally connect to this young workforce um we just don't necessarily do the best job of of telling our story of the amazing things that we do i definitely agree i think that like you said we are and so not even just the pandemic but um like just this next generation that's coming up even my generation millennials um yes i'm a millennial um we want like for me right now work life balance is so much more important than the paycheck um so you know when they try to throw more money at you when you're like i'm not happy here um to millennials and gen z and you know the generations that are going to come it's not about the paycheck anymore. It's about really, you know, am I happy? Am I coming home and being happy? And so, um, like you said before, especially in our field, that's why many of us got into this. So all of our listeners, um, just remember why you got into this field and, you know, kind of challenge when someone says to you, well, that's best practice, you know, go back and take a look and really think about it. And, you know, is that really what you think? that we should be doing. And is that why you're here? Is that why you're in parks and recreation? Probably not. And it's a great point. And I I think one of the most important things that we should all be doing, especially those of us who are coming into the industry um, new is we have to not be afraid to ask why we do things. Um, And as in the leaders, as leaders, we have to not get defensive when someone asks the question, why do we do this is such an important question and understanding from both sides of things. It's a great opportunity for new people to understand um, why it is that we do what we do. But then as a leader, it's a great opportunity to assess because sometimes, you know, like we've been saying, you just get into this rut and we don't actually take the time to question why it is that we do things the way it is. Like your situation with your new employee, like, well, you know, why are we doing this this program the way that we're doing it? And you go, God, I I don't know. We haven't taken the time to 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 look into it. So I would love to see that just just that. Um, you know, like what is the one thing that you could change in this industry? I just I wish 
from both sides of the from the, uh, both sides of the fence, we would be more comfortable just having that real basic conversation as to why things are the way that they are, one way or another. And I think those conversations, more often than not, lead to something beneficial, even if it is just the explanation of this is why we do it. Hopefully, the the person gets a better understanding of it. But I think in a lot of cases, if we start trying to dig down to the core reasons of things, we're going to discover that there's probably better ways to do things out there that we haven't taken the time to try to address. Yeah. And it's, you know, even just someone like me, who's a millennial listening to a Gen Z, you know, kid who's 10 years younger than me say, why are we doing it that way? Um, And I'm hopeful that the upcoming generations won't get offended by those things when, you know, the the next generation says to them, well, why are we doing that? Um, I know that when he said that to me, I didn't take offense to it. It was more just, I have been in such a fog for the last two years. Um, you know, it's just survival right now. It's making sure that, you know, I do what I can to survive. Um, so it's almost nice to have someone snap you out of it and say, why are you doing this that way? That makes no sense. You're creating so much more work for yourself. Um, so I appreciate that he came to me and said, this yeah. your process makes no sense, Marissa. Why are you making three times as much work for yourself when you could just make it one simple thing? And the, the why are you doing this way question also then gives the leader the opportunity to ask me, what do you think we should do? Um, and it kind of creates this this kind of loop that that now all of a sudden starts existing. And, you know, the, the leadership ask the the leadership component of this is is key too because leadership is a is a decision it's not a position so we all have the opportunities to to lead at certain aspects of things and we should all be willing to have these conversations about why things function why we do what we do and be open to that kind of um continuous feedback that that leads to those better ways of of doing things. But um, unfortunately, we're, we're human and we have a tendency to get defensive um, in certain aspects. And the defensiveness is, is really the, the biggest barrier that generally exists. And defensiveness is the biggest barrier to better, betterment, um, I believe. So um, these are just things that we need to be mindful of and, and, and be intentional in our thought process. And hopefully create spaces in which we are allowing ourselves to be challenged. We are allowing, we're creating space where people can have open dialogue with us about how things work, why things are done the way that they are. And you create that space and, and it it maybe leads to bigger conversations about bigger things, but um, your situation with your employee, you've obviously created a relationship in which he felt comfortable coming to you. Um, he felt comfortable challenging you, and it led to finding a better way to do things. If you had not taken the time to cultivate that relationship, um, he would just be sitting there and running the same old tired process and probably hating it, um, having resentment because you know no one cares about what I think or how I feel and all that kind of stuff. And it's not it's just we haven't created the space for those conversations to happen. So there's a lot to this, but um ultimately it it all comes down to those us creating space for people to to have these conversations 
I couldn't agree more. Do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? No, um, it, it's, it's again, I, I think this all kind of started off with the idea of, of best practices. And, and we kind of talked a little bit before we started recording about this idea of definitions. And I, I think the language that we use is so important in so many different things. And uh, in this particular circumstance, I think the, the word best is the word that I have the problem with throughout this, um, throughout this thing. And it's that definition of best. But I guess just being intentional and mindful of the words that we use and make sure that we are defining these words as we go, as we go forward and um, understand that not everybody has the same definition of the words that we use as we do. And if we're not intentionally defining some of these things, um, we, we may be creating problems, but um, yeah, I think in this particular circumstance, the, the, the key should be, um, trying to create a culture of continuous improvement, trying to create space in which people can have open dialogue and find different ways to do things, um, to challenge our staff um, when they come and ask questions about why things are being done the way that they do, give them an opportunity to solve problems. And um, if we're able to create all of these things, uh, I think generally um, we're going to create a work environment that's that's better and uh, a culture of continuous improvement and something that is going to draw in the type of people that we want to work with. For sure. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time again and sharing your infinite wisdom and knowledge with us. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and just, you know, working with me behind the scenes. So thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that it challenged you to think about best practices a little bit differently. Let us know what you think about it. Connect with us on Instagram, connect with us on LinkedIn, and just let us know what you thought. Um, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back next week for our final episode of this series. And then we're going to take a little break and then we, we'll be back um, at the very beginning of 2022 for a new series about onboarding employees and improving our recruitment strategies. So hopefully that will be interesting to you. Um, but for now, I hope you have a lovely day, lovely holiday season, and enjoy all of those Christmas events that I know you guys are busy with. Take care and we'll talk soon. Oh, and let's talk perks. Mm-hmm.